Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. Well, we are starting a new series today, tonight, called Wonder. Uh, and the idea behind the series is not very complicated. It's, it's pretty much the, just the fact that we lose our sense of wonder sometimes during this time of year, a time of year when we should have a lot of wonder. But we do, we lose it because it's busy and hectic and there are things to do and our schedules are full. And so a lot of times we put our heads down and, and we get things done and we just try and make it through these days. But often in doing so, we miss what this season of Thanksgiving and Christmas and Advent is all about. How a child came into the world and how that changes everything. How a child came into the world, was born in a feeding trough, and, and how he would become the king of kings. If we believe that, which we do, that is something that should absolutely inspire awe and wonder in us. That's something that we don't want to miss. That's something that we don't want to take for granted. Especially because today is Christ the King Saturday. Now, you may be familiar with that. Um, some of you may not. But the idea behind this day is also pretty simple. Today in the liturgical calendar, when we celebrate that Jesus is King, that he is... Lord of our lives, that he reigns above all. And you might be asking, why do we need a whole weekend devoted to that? Well, the truth is, we need this week. We need it every year. Because we need to make sure we know who our king is. We need a check-in every year to make sure that we are bowing down to the right things. Because honestly, we are bad at picking kings, and we are even worse at being kings. And you know what? We always have been. In the Bible, there are two books called kings. And really, the purpose of those books is, is to demonstrate that the kings of Israel and Judah had failed to live up to the kingship covenant made with David in 2 Samuel 7. Uh, to put it simply, they'd been terrible kings over and over so let's run through a few of them, and I will try to make sure you don't glaze over. And I'll try not to butcher these names. First, there's Jeroboam. And Jeroboam sets up big golden calves, and he tells everyone to worship them, and he tells the people, these are your gods now. After him, there's Nadab, and we're told that he practiced all the evils of his father. Well, he was assassinated by Basha, and Basha was assassinated by Allah. They were both described as violent men. Then there was Zimri. Zimri burned the whole palace down, followed by Omri, who we're told was the most evil king the kingdom had ever seen. After him, there's Ahab. And scripture tells us that actually he was the most evil king that Israel had ever seen. Then there was Ahaziah, and we're told he was the most evil king Israel had ever seen, that he made Israel sin. Well, Ahaziah had no son to replace him on the throne. So his brother Jehoram becomes king. And Jehoram's great. No, actually, he's terrible. You should have seen that coming. And he tries to kill the prophet Elisha. 
after him, there are 10 more kings that would rule Israel between 841 and 722 BC. And all of them were described as violent, evil, and corrupt. Can you imagine that many terrible kings in a row, that string of awful leadership? I know some of you are probably thinking about certain politicians or your bosses at work right now, and you're saying, yeah, actually, I kind of can't imagine that. But, but seriously, Israel has been plagued with evil kings who worshiped false idols and chose violence for generations. And at this point, the Israelites are exhausted. They're hopeless. They, they wonder if they will ever find a king who does right by them and who does right by God. And that's when the prophet Isaiah comes along. And Isaiah condemns all of these terrible kings. He calls them out for all the ways that they've disobeyed God. And then he speaks to the people and he offers a word of hope. And that brings us to our scripture for today. Uh, this scripture uh, one you've probably heard at least referenced before. It is a profound word of hope for a people who have suffered a long, long line of terrible kings. So if you've got your Bibles, you can pull those out. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7 tonight. This is what it says. This is what Isaiah writes to the people. He says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied exultation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulder, the rods of their oppressor, you've broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulder and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts We'll do this. Okay. There's, there's a lot there. But to put it very simply, Isaiah's message to the Israelites is I know you've had a lot of bad kings, but there's a really good king coming. And you know what? That is a message that all of us still need to hear today. Because first of all, like the Israelites, we've all had some bad kings in our lives. See, the ancient Israelites, they're not the only ones who've had really bad monarchs. Most every civilization throughout history could read you off a laundry list of all of the bad leadership that they've suffered. Leaders who were, were violent and selfish and oppressive. Leaders sometimes who were just weird. Take Caligula, for example. He was an ancient Roman emperor who ruled just a few years after Jesus died. And he was, like, impressively bad. Caligula was known for his lavish projects, his brutality, and his eccentricity. Um, for, for instance, he once had his army construct a two-mile floating bridge for one reason. 
he thought it would be really cool to ride on his horse on a floating bridge. He also once declared war on the ocean, the, the literal ocean. And so he brought his army and all of these war machines to the edge of the water and he commanded them to start gathering seashells for him. <laughs> he also banned the mention of goats in his presence. Why? Because he thought he looked like a goat. He was tall and kind of hairy and so he would execute anyone who mentioned goats. Finally, if you're not convinced, uh, he built a palace for his horse, his horse in Citadis. And then he attempted to appoint his horse to the highest elected position in the Roman Republic. This guy was a bad king. And we've all had some bad kings. It's not just world leaders like Caligula that make up our bad kings. I think if we're honest with ourselves today, uh, we bow down to all sorts of things. We, we make and we choose bad kings all the time. We make kings out of certain leaders or political parties. We make kings out of actors and musicians and social media influencers and ideologies. I have a tendency to do this with athletes. For some reason, I get really starstruck uh, super easily. And if I see some athlete I love in person, I will treat them like they're from another planet. Just a few weeks ago, I was at a salad place in South Lake with some of the other pastors and we saw DeMarcus Ware walk in. And I was giddy. You're talking about one of the greatest pass rushers of all time, one of the greatest Dallas Cowboys of all time. Well, one of the pastors I was with was, was Pastor John Reeves and, and he has no shame. And so he just walked straight up to him and said, hey, we, we all think you're DeMarcus Ware. Are you DeMarcus Ware? And he said, yeah, I'm DeMarcus Ware. Uh, you know, he stands out in the crowd. And, and so he ended up coming over to us and he said hi and he chatted with us for a second. And the other pastors were, were cool and collected. They very calmly congratulated him on his recent induction to the Hall of Fame. And the whole time I was trying to come up with what am I gonna say to DeMarcus Ware? Well, finally, he reached out the largest hand I'd ever seen to shake my hand and I shook his hand and all I could muster up was, ah, uh, you're like a total legend. <laughs> and he was super gracious and he smiled. But the worst part was as soon as he walked away, Pastor Kyle pointed out to me that I had a huge barbecue sauce stain <laughs> all over my shirt. And you know what? That's, that's not even the only time I've done that. It's not even the only time I've done that with a cowboy. One time I saw Jason Witten walking around South Lake, and without thinking, I just started full arm waving. Like he would know who I was, you know? And he definitely didn't. And he looked at me like, who is this guy? <clears throat> Another time I saw Ezekiel Elliott, former cowboy, at a restaurant in Dallas with Hannah's family. And all I said to him was, I love you. I don't know why I'm like that. I really don't. I don't know why I make kings out of human beings. But I think so many of us do this. 
And look, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that Jason Witten or DeMarcus Ware or Ezekiel Elliott are bad guys or bad kings. What I'm saying is that we have a tendency for some reason to make people or, or things or ideas into royalty. We elevate things that don't deserve it to a godlike status. We bow down to the wrong stuff. Like I said, for a lot of people, I think it's political parties. And for a lot of people, it's sports teams. For a lot of people, it's, it's our jobs or our social status or our social media clout. We bow down to all of these different things and we forget to bow down to the one thing, the one person, the one king that we're supposed to. Jesus the king, the good king, the great king, the king of kings. That's what's so amazing about our scripture for today. Isaiah promises us a king who is finally different than all the others. A king that's above all of those kings. A king that will finally satisfy all the things they've been looking for. Isaiah says he's going to be a wonderful counselor. And you know what? That is way different. Nobody hearing this would have ever thought of their king as either wonderful or a counselor. And yet he says, this king that's coming, he's going to be kind and loving, and he will point you in the right direction. He will guide your heart. He will counsel you on how to live your life well. And Isaiah says he'll be a mighty God. And you know what? That's way different too. The kings that they had experienced, maybe they were mighty, but they used their might for their own good. To build monuments to themselves. But Isaiah says in our scripture that this, this king, he's going to use his might to establish peace and justice and righteousness to bring wholeness to a broken world. And Isaiah says he will be an everlasting father. The kings they had, they were neither everlasting nor fatherly. They came and they went. Zimri, the one that I mentioned to you earlier, who burned down the whole palace. He was only king for seven days. He did that in seven days. And as for them being like a father, they definitely weren't good ones. In fact, there were some of them that killed their own sons to maintain power. And yet Isaiah says that this king that's coming, he's gonna treat all of us like his children, beloved children, and he's gonna treat us like that forever. And Isaiah says he'll be a prince of peace. And again, that is so different. The princes they knew were far from peaceful. In fact, at the very beginning of the, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter one, this is what Isaiah says about their kings, their princes. He says, your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They don't defend the orphan and the widow's cause doesn't come before them. See, their princes brought destruction and war. They looked out for themselves. They oppressed the poor and the marginalized. But Isaiah says this king that's coming, he'll be a king of peace. He will look out for those in need. He'll look out for those on the outskirts of society. He will bring order and harmony to the world. 
Again, that's what's so powerful about our text for tonight. Isaiah recognizes that Israel has, has had a lot of bad kings. Kings they'd chosen and kings they hadn't. He says, I know that you've lived in a land of deep darkness. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, there is great hope. There's a good king, a great king, and he's on his way. He says that he's a savior who will bring light to darkness, that authority rests on his shoulders. And then he uses the example of the day of Midian to describe what it will be like when he finally arrives. Now, as we were reading our scripture, maybe you got to the day of Midian and you just glazed right over. Midian's a reference that some of us might not be familiar with, but it would have been something that was really significant to the Israelites that, that Isaiah is writing to. Because the day of Midian was sort of like an equivalent to the 4th of July. It was an independence day. The day of Midian is the day when Israel defeated their oppressors, the Midianites, even though they were massively outnumbered. And when I say outnumbered, I mean 300 versus 130,000. And they defeated them, led by Gideon, without ever having to engage in actual battle. No one on Israel's side died. And so in our scripture, when Isaiah references that and says that the Messiah, this king, is, is coming, like on the day of Midian, he's saying that he's going to do all of those things that happened that day. He's going to bring victory and salvation, but most of all, he's going to bring peace. He says the coming of this child is going to bring peace. Now look, I, I know we read that today and we think, well, when is that going to happen for us? When is our day of Midian? Because I know that it goes without saying, but our world is not one of peace. And you know what? It never really has been. In fact, famous historian Will Durant once wrote that in the last 3,421 years, only 268 of those years can be described as free of war. That means that since the days of Moses, our world has been at war in some capacity 92.2% of the time. And we're in that 92% right now. There's war in Ukraine, and there's a war in Israel, and there's war in Sudan, and you can see all of the war across the world and this has got to break our heart. Because we want violence to end. We desperately want a world at peace. But we don't have it yet. And so until that day when Jesus returns and we finally have all that Isaiah writes about, we strive for a world at peace. We pray for a world at peace. We work toward a world at peace a world where bad kings don't call the shots anymore and the king of kings, the prince of peace reigns. You know, I love, I love the word for peace in our scripture. It's shalom. Shalom was a very important concept for the Israelites. It translates in our scripture as peace, but it actually means much more than that. Shalom means Wholeness. It means restoring something. It means something being in a place of completion or fulfillment. 
You can find a beautiful example of shalom in front of the United Nations building in New York City. Right outside of those doors, there are two sculptures or statues. The first uh, is uh, a pistol with its barrel tied into a knot. And the second is a man with a sword and he's beating that sword into a plow. Both of these are reminders of our hope, our prayer, our desire for, for a world at peace. And that second one, the, the guy with the sword beating it into a plow, um, that is directly inspired by the words of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter two, Isaiah says, they will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. See, outside of the United Nations building, outside of a place where they deal with worldwide conflicts and deeply complicated international issues, there is a biblical reminder of shalom, of God's peace. There's a reminder that, that no matter how convoluted or hopeless or complex something seems, God can take that thing and bring shalom. And I love that. Because y'all, that, that's who our Jesus is. No matter how many bad kings this world throws at us, no matter how many bad kings we create for ourselves, we have a savior who is the prince of shalom, the prince who brings wholeness and restores us to peace. He is the king of kings. So today we need to decide who we're gonna bow down to. Because you know what? The world is always going to provide us with bad kings. It's always gonna provide us with, with people and political parties and celebrities and ideologies that we can bow down and worship. But you know what? They will never be enough because they aren't the true king. See, Isaiah was right. There is a good king coming. He came once in the form of a baby in a manger and he's coming again, coming to bring peace and redemption and wholeness. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. He is Jesus Christ, our King. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to come and be our king. Lord, we are a people who confess that, that sometimes we bow down to false idols. We, we pick the wrong stuff to worship, to obey. God, my prayer for us tonight, my prayer for us this weekend on this Christ the King weekend is that we would reset that we would remember that you're the one in charge, that you're the one with the crown. 
God, we thank you that you are a good king, that you are a wonderful counselor. When we are struggling and we don't know where to turn and we feel stuck, you point us in the right direction. And Lord, we thank you that you are a mighty God, that your power is above all other powers. Lord, we thank you that you are an everlasting father, that you, you call us your children, your beloved. Lord, we thank you that you are a prince of peace. And God, we pray for peace. We pray for peace in our hearts. We pray for peace in our relationships. We pray for peace in our country. We pray for peace in our world. Lord, you are the prince, you are the king, and we pray that all would know that you're the one that reigns. But we know that it starts with us. And so Lord, as we sing this final song, we bow down to you. We pray all of this in the name of our rock, our redeemer, and our king, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.